Hey everybody, it's Jim Sirk with the Medical Sales Nation. I hope you're having a great day, you had a great week, and you got some great things coming. So I could not be more jacked up about this podcast. I am interviewing a gentleman by the name of Jim Nalepa. Jim is a West Point grad and has held many leadership positions within the military and outside the military and specializes on coaching and developing for leadership performance. And I was lucky enough to attend his class or his course a couple years ago, and it stuck with me. And I asked Jim to be on this podcast. And I'm telling you, it's an hour and 10 some odd minutes long, but it's worth every minute. I just listened to the podcast myself. So hang tight, and I don't care if you're a sales rep, manager, executive, whoever, whatever position you have, listen to this podcast. It is, in my humble opinion, outstanding because of Jim, not because of me, but because of Jim just sharing his experiences and uh, his beliefs and and proven uh, techniques. So without further ado, let's get at it. back everybody to another episode of the Medical Sales Nation. It's Jim Sirk here today and I'm not with Charlie Johnson, but I am here with a great guest. His name is Jim Nalepa. Jim is a leadership coach, sales coach and developer of um, some great people out there and his work with some you know really big companies and small companies. Jim actually did some work for me when I was with Intellis and uh, did some leadership training for the entire management team, which uh, really was phenomenal and thought and so I thought it would be a great opportunity to introduce Jim to the Medical Sales Nation so you can learn a little bit more about him what he does and in the end if you find it interesting reach out to him and see what he can do for you and uh, and your company so with that Jim graduated from West Point as a second lieutenant in 1978 he served in various leadership roles in the army First, he was with the 3rd Infantry Infantry Division in Germany, then with the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Braggs in North Carolina. He also was a member of the Grenada, or Grenada Rescue Mission. Um, interested to learn a little bit more about that, Jim, when we get a chance. And then he left active service as a captain in 1984. From there, he went on to become the Director of Recruiting for Pfizer, He really specialized in building out sales and sales management teams at the time. And now he's the president and CEO of Nalepa and Associates. Really, he he does some retained executive searching as well as leadership, sales, sales development, coaching, really driving down in how sales forces, individuals as as well as the entire teams can succeed. And so, Jim, welcome to the Medical Sales Nation. Hey, Jim, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's a real thrill. Uh, I started and I I really cut my teeth in the civilian world after my military experience with Pfizer, building sales forces, building sales leadership teams uh, for them on the pharma side. But um, I have a a lot of clients that that have come to me through the years, Abbott, uh, Takeda Pharmaceuticals, and one in particular, a, a startup uh, med device company out of uh, North Carolina called Cohera Medical. I've helped build their leadership team, 
and uh, it's just been great. So this is going back and talking about uh, my roots. Sure. No, this this is great. I want to really dive into this. You know, and you, you're really specializing in leadership now, right? Leadership training? Absolutely. I'm a partner in Academy Leadership. We are all either West Point graduates uh, and Naval Academy graduates, about half and half. And uh, we look at the service academies as the true incubators of leadership thought and leadership experience. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been told that that West Point and Annapolis are, are the true leadership institutions in the world. And so we take that leadership experience, we bring it to the Army, and many of our graduates have you know, permeated all uh, aspects of life, whether it's public service, private service, um, you know, corporate. We actually had two of the um, top 10 CEOs in the world were West Point graduates, both uh, at Procter and Gamble, and which was Bob McDonald, class of West Point class of 1975, and okay. someone who uh, some of your listeners may know, Alec Gorski, who is uh, the chairman and CEO of Johnson and Johnson, started in Med Devices when he left, and he's West Point class in 1982. Okay, so we've made uh, quite yeah. an impact on so these industries. So, so you're making an impact based on that philosophy. What are what are the main I don't, I don't want to put a number on it, but are there two, three, four, five points that encompass that leadership training experience that you're trying to get out of through that group? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, leadership starts with a couple of key principles. You know, the Navy has a very simple leadership principle, and it starts, it, it's only three parts. Okay. It's know yourself, know your people, and know your stuff. Right. And so we've geared our leadership course around, it's a three-day leadership course, around that very, very simple philosophy. And for day one is know your people. How can you lead anyone else right. without knowing yourself first? Sure. Know your strengths. Know your blind sides. Know how you communicate. Know how you like to be communicated with. I mean, that's the, the, the starting point and the essence of, of leadership. Okay. Then know your people. That is essential. And one of the things that we really get to focus in on is one size does not fit all. It really doesn't. Yeah, you know what? I want, I'm going to dive into that a little bit more later on because I truly believe that, and Charlie and I have spoken about this a few times on the podcast, about how <clears throat> companies are trying to create these online training and development courses. Right. But if they're how can you do that because not everybody's the same. Not one size fits all. Yeah, it's exactly right. right? So so what what happens is recognizing that 75% we do an, we we actually have this wonderful online uh, personality leadership communications assessment. Uh, we call it the energized to lead. And what we learn from that is 75% of the people you deal with in not only the professional world, but in your own household, communicate in a different way. So it's essential to understand how your people communicate and what is the most effective way to drive home communications because communications is the essential human connection. Yeah, we've actually said a few times, you know, once again, is that communication in any type of relationship is the key. Right, right. Business, personal, neighbors—you know, just that oh, that 
communication and all problems usually occur because of a breakdown in communication. Absolutely. And it's not just a breakdown in communication. It's the, it is the lack of closing the feedback loop. And that is what we try to get people to understand. You know, a lot of folks will sit there, and especially a lot of executives and, and supposed uh, sales leaders will be able to speak and they believe they're articulating a very, very clear message. But without that feedback, without closing that feedback loop and looking at people and saying, hey, can you tell me in your own words what you just told, what, what I just said? And, and, and closing that loop, mm -hmm. it is very, very important to make sure that uh, that loop is closed. And we don't, we get lazy. And, you know, we'll walk out of a meeting and say, for instance, we got a, a sales team meeting. Hey, does everybody understand what we just said? Does everybody understand that mission? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, boss. Yep. And you get the head nod and you get the, oh, the yes, yes, yes. Right. And then they're all looking at each other going, uh, what really did, the, <laughs> did this individual sure. say? Sure. And that is classic. It's yeah. closing the feedback yeah. loop, which, is, which really makes communication different and effective. So everyone knows that I went through Jim's leadership course. You know, just, you know, full disclosure here, it was it was phenomenal and the the feedback that you got from the team was phenomenal. I actually forgot about that, Jim, that feedback yeah. loop piece. And now that you just said that, you know, I wrote myself here a little note because that is a place that I fall short on because you're you're in a zone, right? And you're and you're leading a team and, and you're talking and people are nodding their heads and you just go, God, I must be really good. Everyone understands me, right? Instead of they're nodding because they just want to get the hell out of here, right? Right. <laughs> and, and, so and, and, and no, what we learned about your profile in particular is you are very intense. You are very action-oriented. And, you know, here's the direction. Here's the motivation. Here's what we're going to do. And you don't close I don't close the loop. loop. No, I don't. Well, see, I'm a, I'm a Mark Zuckerberg um, uh, a fan where he goes, move fast, break things. But that's really not a good way to approach it. There, I mean, as... as you go through your career, guys, you know, and, and gals listening to this, you, you, you learn this stuff, you know, constantly as you grow where, where your weaknesses are and, uh, and, and try to get better at it. Jim, what I wanted to do because of this leadership thing, I think people get confused between managers and leadership. Absolutely. Right. So a lot of people are, you know, promoted, appointed managers, but I really want to talk about because... I think there there's so much talk. You go to LinkedIn, and I don't have a Facebook page, but um, you know even the the things the letters that I subscribe to newsletters, you get inundated about the top five things leaders do today, the top ten things leaderships leadership right. is today. You know the top seven things leaders never do. You know you get so much of this oh, yeah. stuff, right? Oh, yeah. It gets to the point where it's just noise now. I don't even read them because. I in a week I could probably print off twenty different articles about the top five to ten things leaders do. Eighty percent of them are probably the same, but it it's lost its voice, and and I mean that by leaders within a group that haven't been the manager. And so what I want to talk about is how can people that are aspiring to be that potential leader without the title, what can they do now 
to start thinking right. about leadership? Well, the, the thing that, that people have to understand is in the matrix world that we have today, many times people are called on to lead without authority. That's the key thing. Okay. It is the ability to influence and it's the ability to drive results, which is important, not authority. Many times within organizations, I say, who's the most influential leader in your organization? And they'll say, that guy or that gal. Right. And they have no direct authority to lead things. Okay. And yet they are very influential either through by leading through example or knowing their roles and or or just bringing their best to the workplace every single day. They tend to lead without without authority. And I think that is something that we all have to grasp onto along with I wanted to get back to communications sure. for one second and close that loop. Sure. Is the concept of the platinum rule. Everybody knows the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have done unto you. Okay. Well, that doesn't work. Okay. And I know many of your listeners are going to be surprised with that. What do you mean the golden rule doesn't work? Well, the golden rule works if you're dealing with somebody who's like you. Sure. And what we found is 75% of the people we deal with are different than we are. So you're losing 75% of them. But if you put in the platinum rule, which is treat others the way they want to be treated. Okay. See the difference? Yeah, of course. Treat others the way they want to be treated. Communicate with others the way they want to be communicated with. Motivate people the way they want to be motivated. Because, Jim, I'm here to tell you, your motivational factors and my motivational factors and the motivational factors that influence the listeners of this podcast are all vastly different. Yeah, you know, and and that is, you know, Jim, that is so critical. I, I look at that, you know, like I said, I'm constantly we're doing these interviews and Charlie and I are talking and, and we're discussing topics. You know, I would say 80% of the time I go, wow, I, I've really learned something today, you know, from right. these conversations, something, another light bulb goes, you know, goes on or, or it was on, but it dimmed out yeah. and now it's back on. So I, I, I get that, but how, without going through a training process, you know, going through a leadership course like yourself, like that, that you guys offer, how do, how can somebody turn that on where they can understand how somebody else well, wants it, to be treated. It's all about, look at it, it's all about awareness. Okay. And, and, and first, I'm going to go back and I'm going to say there's no reason that somebody should be put into a leadership position without going through training. That's, so you, that, okay, say that again, though, no, but I want to make sure I understand that. Don't be promoted until you've gone through a training. Yeah, exactly. But and, do you assess this person? Because I don't necessarily disagree or agree right. with this. Is it an assessment? Before you become a leader, because a lot of times I've seen it where great salespeople go into a leadership role, but really never really wanted it. Wasn't there? Right. Wasn't there? It doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just what you said. They want to do what they want to do. And we forced it upon them. Jim, you hit the nail on the head. And that has been my number one complaint about the way sales forces are structured and led, not just in med sales, right. but across the board. What typically will happen is you will have a sales district 
and the district manager will get promoted or they'll retire and they'll say, okay, who are we going to get to fill that person's job? Right. Well, the best salesperson, right? Right. Yeah, that's what we do. And you're dead wrong. Yeah. Sometimes you hit a winner. Sure. Sometimes course. that best salesperson is going to be the best sales leader. Many times they're not. And many times they're not, when they're promoted, they are not given the opportunity to really understand the difference between being able to teach somebody how to sell and being able to lead and, the, and drive results in an entire sales team. That's the downfall. You put the best, pers- best salesperson in there who may not be the best leader. And that is what we've got to focus in on. And so, you know, you throw somebody in that mix, you really should do an assessment. But the first thing they need to be, the first thing that really needs to be done is they need to get very specific training. And the difference, as you, you uh, alluded to earlier, is that management and leadership are two very, very different things. I mean, a leader has to be a manager as well. Of course. But many times they're not. Uh, A manager has to be a leader in order to drive results. Take a look at the Titanic. I always like to use that (laughs) as 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 one of those extreme examples. I would bet you that the Titanic was the best managed ship afloat. Mm -hmm. Why? All the deck chairs were in order. All the silverware was polished. They had managed to put together the finest menu. Everything was in its place. Everything was ship shape. Yep. And yet, it it was the worst lead. (laughs) Right. Why? Because the, the mission of the leader, that captain, had to get from point A to point B safely and we know history didn't happen. Right. The number one man in charge was the leader. He was supposed to supply the route and the vision, and he didn't. And he led him right into the iceberg field. Mm-hmm. So great manager, great management, horrible leadership. Yeah. So and that and you know and that just goes into that you know they put him on that ship, right? I don't remember the captain's name, but you know he was the captain of the ship. So he might have been the best manager. At one point or something, right. but but they put him in a role that obviously he was influenced by the company to get there faster. Exactly, right through history, through history, right. So that they and, and so he failed, right, to he, do the right he thing. He failed to do the right and and leaders and and leaders are are there to be effective, not efficient. Notice those are two different words. Hmm. Too many times in our vernacular, we use them interchangeably. Efficient is doing things right. Right. You want your people to be efficient, but you as a leader need to be effective. Right. And what effective means is doing the right things mm-hmm. and doing them in order of priority. That is one of the leader's key roles, doing the right things and doing them in order of priority. So as we set our priorities, do the most important things first. Right. Too many That's times we get we get wrapped around the axle. Well, let me get this off my plate. Let me get this off my plate. Let me get this off my plate. You do the little things that are what truly are your low payoff activities. Right. And you don't pay attention to your high payoff activities. That is a trap many, 
managers fall okay. into. Okay. A leader is under going to understand truly what the priorities are. Okay, so then let's let's um let's let's go with that that we're on this conversation. So leadership management would talk about, you know, effectiveness, efficiency, doing the right things first yep. in a specific order. All right, so you're going to be a new leader in a sales organization. What do you think, you know, based on your 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 time at Pfizer, teaching and, and coaching and developing right. all these other companies that you see, what are the top, you know, you know, and this goes back to me not wanting to listen or read any more about LinkedIn, but we're having this conversation. What, what do you think, you know, you're going to be a new manager out there, right. right? Which means, you know, slash leader. What are the top things you're going to tell this individual to do when they first take over that role? Well, number one, they have to understand the role of the leader and understand the role of the leader is to drive results. Right. That's it. All the other things. Somebody, you, you got to get from here to there and somebody needs to know what there is. So you have to be able to drive results. Okay. Now, the key things, number one, communication. How do I communicate? How does my team communicate? How do we most effectively communicate? Do we have to do it face-to-face? Can I send that email? Do I have to, do people have to be standing by for my texts 24 hours a day? Right. It's the mode of communication, how someone communicates, and what is truly expected. Sure. I'm going to get back to expectations in a second. Number two, motivation. How do you motivate that team? How do you motivate the individuals within that team to get them to bring their best every single day. And so so now, Jimmy, we said that 75% of the people communicate differently, right? Yes, sir. So we talk about communication. Now we're talking about motivation individually. Yeah. So you can't motivate collectively. No. Right? So so this, this is where I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Jack Welch or, you know, um, Bezos or Zuckerberg. I don't care who you are. This is a challenge. Right. Right? I mean, this is where I'm challenged. This is where I see most leaders get challenged because we get frustrated. But the frustration isn't our people's fault. It's actually our fault because what we didn't dive into, we did not dive into their individual motivators. Right. Absolutely right. The individual motive. And that is why the minute you get outside the 10-person sphere... It is almost impossible to control a team. Your job, okay, oh, okay. eight to ten people, right. seven to ten people, ten people max, called the Roman Legion system. That's right. That is your ability to influence. So, for instance, I'm training an executive team next week. All right? Okay. Uh, we're starting top to bottom. I'm really excited about this Um a company in particular, because they said before our people get trained by you, we are going to take the training ourselves. That's right. That's right. And that's the way it ought to be. I that's mean, right. you did it. Right. You were in there with your people. Right. So they will understand the new language. They'll understand the dynamic and they will understand their priorities. And then they will be able to dis- disseminate that down to their people. As the CEO of the company, your major influence are those people who report to you. They are your team, all right? Somebody else that I'm also qualified to um, facilitate their program is Patrick Lencioni, and he wrote the book, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Okay. And what they say is, your team, all right, your team, 
Not the vertical, mm-hmm. not the people who report to you. It's the people you serve with. That's your team. Interesting. So the executive team, their number one responsibility is to each other. And what does that accomplish? The biggest A word in business, the biggest A word in society, and you don't have to cover your ears for this. All right. The number one problem that we face today is accountability. Yeah is the ability to create the culture mm-hmm. of accountability. And it all starts at the top. So how do you get, so what do you do as a manager? You sit down with every rep, <clears throat> yep. right? And you you try to figure out what is their motivator because right. for some reps, it's I want to make 300 plus a year. Other reps are, I just I want to hit quota and I want to have a balanced life. Right. right, and so you hit the nail right on the head and and many people will debate with me Money is a motivator. Yeah. I'm sorry. Not for everyone. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. Money is money is not a motivator. Now, what 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 Herzberg says is their hygiene factors and their motivators. And that is a very important concept for people to understand. The concept of motivation. Hygiene factors lead to dissatisfaction. So money is a motivator, but in a very strange way. If you don't pay people enough. You can't motivate them, but if you pay them enough and you give them an opportunity to make mo- to to mo- uh, to make enough money to take the concept of money off the table, people will be satisfied. Then you can really take a look at the motivators, such as, as you said, balanced life, um, uh, you know, increased responsibility, all sorts of recognition. Sure. And I always use your sales force, your sales leadership force, as an example in my course since I had you guys. No kidding. And I'll tell you why. When I ask them how they motivate their, their, uh, their folks, which always comes up in our course, mm-hmm. every one of your people said, my goal is to get them to President's Club. And, and here's the rub. President's Club is not about the money. No, it's not. Right. It's not. It is about reaching the pinnacle. What What is President's Club? It is recognition. That's right. The number one motivator, and every one of your people talk about it, was how do I get my people to President's Club? I'm going to help you get to President's Club. It wasn't just about the money, and it's not about the trip location. You right. know, President's Club could be in Bismarck, North Dakota, but you, know, you usually hold it in, sure. in Miami or wherever it is. Sure. But President's Club was the motivation. Make that top. Get that pat on the back. Walk across that stage. Mm -hmm. Shake the CEO's hand. Get that meat, you know meaningless little plaque <laughs> except to you. It doesn't mean anything to anybody else, but, but boy, oh boy. I got, well, look, bring, at, look at it. Five years in a row. Look at that little star uh, but, I got on my wall. Right. You bring it home. You show your family. It's something to be proud of. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So, the, so recognition, that pat on the back, making President's Club, that's the key thing for sales leaders to focus in on. Not... I'm going to show you how to make 80,000 bucks a year or whatever. No, 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 no. That's not the motivator because I'm going to ask everybody in that audience, everybody in this audience listening to us today. Okay. When you cast that bonus check, do you get up the next morning and go, oh my gosh, I'm so much more motivated. Not really. Not really. Yeah. No, no one has ever been able to look at me and say, oh yeah, that, that was it. I put that money in the bank and I got up and I said, I'm going to do even better. Yeah. No. It was the recognition, the bonus, 
the commission, that is the pat on the back. That is the reward. Mm-hmm. And that is the, the thing that drives people are those, and most rewards really, like the President's Club plaque, cost nothing. They cost nothing. Yeah, it's the recognition. Okay, so so we said hygiene motivators. Is hygiene right. motivators money? Is no, that- no, no, no. Hygiene factors are, I don't want to confuse you. Hygiene factors have to do with dissatisfaction. Those are, that is, that is pay, working conditions, oh. uh, fellow workers, things okay. like that. And so please understand, Herzberg said, I don't want to get too psychological off That's the charts right. here, right. but those things work on dissatisfaction. And what our audience has to understand is Herzberg says dissatisfaction and satisfaction are two different things. Okay. But, you, but you have to get rid of dissatisfaction before you can create satisfaction. Okay. In my course, I say, Jim, what's the opposite of love? Indifference. That is correct, <laughs> sir. You listened up. Many people will say hate, yeah. and I go, no, it's not hate. It's they are two different emotions. That's right. The The opposite of love is the absence of love right. or indifference. Right. The opposite of hate is the absence of hate. Therefore, you get people to where they, they're not dissatisfied, ergo, pay them enough so they'll show up for work every day. Right. And that is when you have to focus in on what motivates them. And, and what's funny is I was coaching a vice president of sales with a client company, and he looked at me and he said, Jim, how do I know what motivates my people? Mm-hmm. And I looked him right in the eyes and I said, ask them. Yeah, I know. It's not hard. It's not. No, it's, it's interesting is that, you know, one of the managers um, that we've worked with, and you know him, and uh, he has gotten from being very very poor at finding out those individual motivators to becoming excellent at it to the point where he actually has spouses calling him saying thank you so much because you've gotten my spouse to really think deeply about why they're getting up every morning which has made our home life even better exactly i mean that's crazy leadership when that kind of stuff happens it doesn't happen often but even with a team of seven or eight, if you get one or two phone calls, that's fantastic. Okay, we talked about communicate, motivation. What's what's three, Jim? Number three, absolutely teaching your people how to set goals. Okay. You can't get from here to there unless you know what there is. And, you know, it's funny, in, in, especially in sales, a lot of times those goals come from up top. All right. And they go, hey, we got to hit X number of million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So then it cascades down. What can your territory do? What's it done in the past? And many times our goals are, are given to the end goal given to us. Now, how do we get there? What are the goals that we have to set in order to reach that, you know, the final goal of, let's say, your quota is to do a million dollars worth of gross business this year. How do we get there? So you sit and you break it up and you recognize that, hmm, let's go back to the Pareto principle. 80% of our sales, are our sales volume is usually going to come from the top 20% of our customers. Right. Let's identify those. How do we drive that 80% out of that 20? Mm-hmm. Well, I have to call on um, that company X number of times, X number of times a month, and you break it down, whether it's a weekly goal, a quarterly, a monthly goal, a quarterly goal, 
and you really sit and you break it out as to how many times you've got to make that contact, how many times you have to have yeses. And they have to be thought through and it's got to be quality. I'll never forget when I went to uh, work at Pfizer, I, I, I actually went through part of the sales course and they said, your goal or your, you are expected to make eight to 10 sales calls a day. You've got to touch eight to 10 sales calls. And I sat and said, hmm, that's pretty interesting. Now, how do we know whether or not they're quality? That is the key thing. It's far better off to make eight to 10 quality calls a day than it is just to make eight to 10 calls. No, because then what you've done is you've given a goal of eight to 10 goals without being effective or efficient. That is exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. So now you're just knocking on doors. Is Dr. Jones here? Nope. Okay. Thank you. Uh, is Dr. Yeah, Smith yeah. there? Nope. Thank you. Well, Can I speak to, you know, office manager? Nope. Okay. Thank you. I made my eight to 10 calls. That's exactly right. Right. You made your eight to 10 calls. But the thing is, how do we know if they're quality? What right. are we going to ask them? And within each one of those calls, we have to have goals. Sure. And so what happens is well, you can have that overreaching goal. Of okay. X number of, of, of dollars. But there has to be a whole series of subordinate goals within that goal in order to reach that. And, I, and quite frankly, I really didn't become successful in my business until I really understood the concept of the cascading goals and aligning them. Mm-hmm. And, and really planning for them way ahead of time. You just can't wake up one day and go, oh gosh, I got to make, you know, $200,000 this year. How the hell am I going to do it? Right. So where do most people fail with the planning? Because, you know, we've talked about this in the past in other podcasts as well as the the planning uh, and putting that plan together. And we all hear that adage, right? Right. Fail to plan, plan Plan to to fail. fail, Right. But it's true. It is true. You know, so, but we get lost in the minutia. Sales People do. I do. Next thing you know, at the end of the week, it's like, I did a lot, but I didn't accomplish a lot. That is goes right. back to the concept of being effective. It's, so this not enough, it's not enough to set your goals. It is. You must set your goals. You must prioritize them. And you have to do them in the right order. Do the most important things first. And that is called the concept of recognizing your high payoff activities. We call them HPAs. Too many people worry about the minutia first, your low payoff activities. And let's just use Pareto as an example. 20% of the things that you do create 80% of your value. Do those things okay. first. So, Jim, so that's it's it. That's a great concept. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. What ends up happening is that we fall off that, right? All of us. We fall away from that. We might start going down that road, and then we find ourselves three, four months into a, into a quarter, a year, whatever it is. And we have to be self-reflective to be able to say, I'm, I'm not doing something here. So how do you not fall off those rails? How do you stay with the planning? And it's called, I hate to say it, it's called discipline. Okay, that's it's fine. Called, no, it's I mean, called, that's the, the whole thing, you know, Jim, with the podcast is, you know, I'll ask questions and it's really, I may know the answer, but it's more about articulating it simply. But yeah, it's discipline, right? Yeah. It's saying every day, am I doing what I should be doing or am I wasting time? Right. And you've got to make, and, and that's why it's so important to reflect 
and continue to plan and continue to adjust. Right. You know, it is, um, you know, many times it, leaders have to say to people, look it, if you are not going to hit your goal, I need to know it yeah. sooner rather than later. That you, more man, just for the sales force out there listening, the salespeople out there, and, and I guess anyone really, the managers, is that if you know you're challenged, just be honest about it. Absolutely. Because it does no good hiding because eventually the results are going to show themselves at the end of the quarter. Just be upfront about it, you know, one, to get the help. Right. Right. And build that trusting relationship with your with your team. Trust is the cornerstone of the leader relationship. Trust and credibility are, are it. That's everything. So on the flip side of that, though, you could have, a, you know, a manager in place that if you're honest with, they ream you. Now, yeah. that's just not a good leader. Uh, so, right. Right. So that's a that's a different topic. But, you know, maybe something we could talk no, about. No, I, I would disagree with you. I think it's a very salient topic. Because if you don't have that open communication, if, you, if you're unable to give your leader, your boss, feedback, there's a problem. Yeah. No. There's a problem. Feedback is a two-way street. Now, I'll tell you a, a personal story. Um, whenever I have a, a very important matter to talk with the founder of my company about, if, we're, if we have a minor disagreement, I'll call him up and I'll say, Dennis... Are you open to some feedback? Mm-hmm. He knows right then and there that we are going to have a crucial conversation. <laughs> okay. Okay. Very and polite. he goes, Jim, yep. I am open to feedback. And what that does is it sets the stage right. for um, you know, what we're what we're trying what we're trying to accomplish. And I think that, you know, we're we're right on the um, uh, the checklist, if you will. Sure. What are what are good leaders do right? But what I want to get across to current leaders that are listening and potential leaders, in order to create that culture of accountability, you, the leader, must do one thing. You must set expectations. And right out of the gate, in order to have that great leader-team member relationship, it is all about expectations. And what we teach people to do in our course, which... I don't think any other, it kind of makes us unique. I don't think any other course does this in the country. We use the concept of the commander's intent from the military. And we say that you should draft a document that you have with you and, and you give to your team members and you reinforce with your team members every single year. Here's who I am. This is what leadership means to me. Here are my operating principles. Right. Here is what I expect of you, and this is what you can expect from me. Right. And here is my commitment to open, honest communications and feedback, and this is where we're going to take the whole thing. And I think when you break it down like that, just think about it. Think about your best boss. You knew exactly what that person was thinking. Sure. You knew what they expected of you. It wasn't a secret. You didn't wake up every morning and go, oh my gosh, what is this guy or gal thinking? That's dangerous. Yeah, no, that is. Okay, so I want to take a step back then. So my expectations of you, okay, but everyone's an individual. How do you tie those two together? Because like you said, we've got to set goals. We're here, we've got to get there. Everyone has to sell a million dollars. What if somebody's like, 
you know what? That's just not important to me. Get well, the, well, the end goal, and let me put it this way, the end goal. No, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you a That's little all right. bit. That's all right. How you get to the end goal differs. Okay. But That's the what, end goal is not different. Okay. Well, I just okay? want to be clear. I That's mean, success all. is... Yeah. yeah we can't success. have... And, and Jim, once again, we can't have you know people thinking out there going, well, my motivator isn't hitting quota. No, that's that's non-negotiable. Yeah, that is non-negotiable. <laughs> right? No, so, you're you're motivated. What do you what do I have to provide? Here's the thing. What do I have to provide to you, Jim Surick, if you're working for me? What do you need from me in order to hit that goal? Okay. See, that's the, that's, that's I just the question. Bring, yeah, I wanted to bring clarity to that because, you know, I've seen this going, well, you know, right. that's not important to me. It, this almost, you know, I hate to say it, this entitlement attitude, you're, you know, right. I have the job, you know, but, you know, I'll get to 90%. No, you have to get to no, 100. No, you got to get to 100. Right, yeah. Right, they so, don't get that. <laughs> so just to be clear, it's, this is the goal, but how you get there and what I can do to help you with your intrinsic motivators. Exactly. Is where we're going to help exactly. each other. Right, exactly. So you'll set out, this is my expectations of you. This is your my expectations that you can hold me to. Right. But I'm going to work with you individually to get there. Exactly. And right. see, but when you set that when you set that that plate at the beginning and you say here is what I expect of my team. I expect you to meet or exceed quota every single year. I expect you to show up on work on time. I expect you to give your full eight to 10 hours. I expect you to make that eight to 10 sales calls a day that we believe is essential to, you know, to, I expect you to hold the standards of the company. I expect you to be a professional. Right. I expect you to be this. And you can, you list those expectations out. And basically what you're doing in setting those expectations is you are giving them the roadmap to success. Right. So, and it comes down to what you said before is that for the managers, leaders, or potential managers or leaders out there that want to move into this role, what you're really talking about is clarity. Oh, right? absolutely. Clear, concise communication. Right. So, and that's why we right go back to the first one, communication, right? right? But, but that... But also knowing that clarity can change, right? As markets right. change, right. as competition right. changes, you know, especially us being in the medical field, reimbursement changes, right? So clarity isn't, I told you this two years ago and it's the same thing. No, things change, new mission, right? Right. There was a, we, we analyzed the, the market. There's a new strategy. Here are the new tactics. Let's bring right. clarity to the entire program. Right. And that's okay. Right. It's just, it's just like, um, uh, you know, leaders reading something at the Harvard Business Review on Monday, and coming up with a new strategy, and by Friday reading another article, you know, out of Success Magazine, and going, oh, new strategy. That doesn't do anybody any good. No. Right. And 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 so what happens is, you have to be the more proactive you can be, the more that you can plan lessens the effect of the crisis or the strategy change on your people. Right. The more they understand how to plan, how to put the pieces of the puzzle together, right. it lessens the impact of when 
I didn't say if, mm -hmm. when change occurs. Right. So there is a, we're, we're getting off the, the right. topic just a little That's bit, right. but let's go back to what's called the time management matrix. Okay. And the time management matrix has been around since the Second World War. Okay. And if, if not earlier. And so it's the quadrants where you sit and you say, what's important? And what's not important. Sure. And what's urgent and what's not urgent. It was, um, Covey did that, right? Yeah, Covey did that. But right. again, I, Stephen Covey didn't. Invent you know, it, right. As much right. as I love Stephen Covey, <laughs> right. um, a lot, 90% of the things that, that he says yeah. has been around forever. Okay. And, right. and, and I want everybody to understand this, that the, I'm going to do a tongue twister here. The time-tested tenets of leadership are the same today as they were in the time of Alexander the Great. The motivational strategies that he used to get 50,000 Greeks and Macedonians to conquer the then known world are the same motivational strategies that we use in the modern military. And understand that military leadership is not the, I'm the captain, you're the sergeant, you're gonna do what I say, here's your orders, get them done. Right. It is, that gets you compliance. That yes. gets you, and, and, and authoritarian armies have always been the ones that have gotten their proverbial butts kicked. Sure. It is the motivated, it is the inspired, it is the rewarded armies that go to the next level. Napoleon was a master motivator. He took the concept of special units and special insignia and medals to the next level. And that is true. It's all about recognition. Right. And so when we recognize that there's nothing new, only, you know, difference in language, sure. difference in presentation so, for the time, that's where, you know, Covey was a master at putting those seven habits together. Together. Right. Yeah. Sure. Okay. You know, like you said, I mean, this podcast is always fluid, Jim. Oh, yeah. So... Um, but I want to I want to talk to you about something. Is that I got a call from an executive recruiter about an opportunity for a company, you know, a very respected company, and the president CEO. One of his conditions was, I want somebody to come in with new novel approaches to management and leadership. And I was on the phone and I said, that's unnecessary, you know, because yeah. there are proven models of leadership that have been used forever forever that don't need to be reinvented they just need to be applied I, that, <laughs> right? right no that's exactly right and i think what if you read between the lines what that ceo was saying is hey we're not doing that well that's in the leadership right. category exactly. right now we need somebody to, we need somebody to write this ship we're the titanic yeah and we need to change course but, but just, that's what he's saying right but just for the audience why is that important because if you if you get a request you know and you, you talk about the military go watch band of brothers go watch that series go watch you know major richard winners as as he goes through leading this group of easy company of easy company in world war 2 101st airborne division um watch how he leads them and then refuses to execute an order that he knew would get his men killed right right, right. and he refused and that happened all the time in world war 2 where people would refuse but not letting their superiors know they didn't do it. They just said they did it. But, you know, different story. But 
it's important to understand when you get a request and when I get that call from that executive recruiter, new and novel management approaches, I'm not touching that because there is no such thing, right? Right. And you're walking into a situation in which you can't win because if you try to apply true proven management philosophies, you may get taken down as that VP walking into that role. Well, well I, the, the one caveat to, to, to what you uh, just described, I would say is, I would take the interview with the CEO and say, look, I hear you about your new novel you know, leadership approaches. And what I'm seeing is that um, whatever you're doing right now is not working. That's what I'm hearing. Is that correct? Sure, sure. All right. Now, yeah. If I get this, if you want me to do this job, I have to have your assurance that I am going to put together the time-tested leadership of communication, goal setting, motivation, setting priorities, accountability, coaching. Right. I'm going to put those all into place, and it's probably going to rough, ruffle some feathers. That's right. Or it's going to ch- it's going to yeah. change the way we we sure. do things, but. I need your assurance. Sure, sure. And that's easy. And that you're right, Jim. You right. can take the interview, have that conversation, knowing you're also dealing with a subculture of people in that organization right. that is, it's going to be a challenge. But right. not that you should you know, run away from it. But I knew having this conversation right off the bat and saying to the recruiter, I don't believe that. Right. Then if you don't believe it and you don't believe that they're going to let you do that, yeah. run for the hills. Well, and I said, let them know that I don't right. believe in new and novel approaches to management, right? And leadership. There are, you've just got to implement some and then figure out what works. Yeah, you, right. You know, so. No, that's exactly right. And, and one of the analogies that I think is applicable to that is what we call raising the bar. And you say, what, what does raising the bar mean? Well, raising the bar means... The fact that if you do the same thing over and over and over again, you will only get incremental sure. improvement. Of course. Incremental improvement. Now, if you implement something different, if you try a different approach that hasn't been tried before, you know, new novel or whatever you want to call it, if you implement some things that will work, and you find that that may be the you know secret sauce sure. or whatever. It's not so secret. Right. But if you do those things, you do them and you're disciplined in doing it, you are not going to get incremental increase in results. You're going to get exponential increase in results. And that's the key to the change. Right. Well, that goes, you know, we've talked about, you know, we talked a little bit earlier, right? How do you become a leader without, without that position, without the authority? So, you know, live by example, you know, they know their role and they're really good at it. They're bringing their best every day. Right. I mean, they're just experts at what they do and they push. And most of these people are pushing the envelope, not in a gray, you know, legal way. They're pushing the envelope because they're experimenting with new things. Right. As a leader out there, I can tell you this, and we talk about these leadership principles and that, you know, Alexander the Great was using them and they still apply today. There are things that your company may or may not be doing you can go ahead and try, and if it works, then share it with everyone. Exactly. Right? Because exactly. not all leadership principles are being applied the same way. Try to figure that out to move your organization and yourself forward. That's one way as somebody in the field, whether you're a first-line manager or a sales rep, out in the field and you're figuring something out, make sure you're sharing that with everybody at top. That's right. And, and you know what? Let's go back to leading without authority. You know, you've got... 
you got 10 people in the sales force, okay? You're a district manager. And there's one individual, okay? Let's call him Katie. Call her Katie. Katie is out there. She is making the numbers. She is exceeding quota quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter. Right. What Katie is doing is evidencing leadership. Sure. She is leading the way. She is showing the way. Katie, how are you doing it? That's right. You have that sales meeting. Katie, how are you doing it? What's different? What do you find that work that works that the rest of us aren't doing? Right. Absolutely. You know, and they she's basically she's leading by example. Well, exactly. And so in getting back to the managers out there, you want to be getting the best uh, what do you want to call it? the best ideas from your sales force yeah. and bringing it up. It does, just because you're the manager doesn't mean you have to have all the ideas because right. you're not going to get them. You got to pull the best, put your ego aside, and, and bring that out. Okay, so we're all over the place a little <clears throat> bit, but but Jim, your next step we talk about communicate, motivation, that individual motivators. Teaching, goal setting. Goal setting, and absolutely. breaking down those goals. And, and teaching and then also breaking down the goals. And within that, teaching people how to set priorities. Teaching your salespeople how to set priorities. It's not enough to make the 8 to 10 a day. It is recognizing the quality call. Right. It's, the, it's that, that, that quality and understanding how to get to that goal. It's not, again... It's not working harder, it's working smarter. Sure. So then we talk about accountability, setting right. expectations as a leader, setting those expectations of yourself and what your expectations right. are of your people. And then the constant, this is it, the constant coaching right. of your individuals. Coaching never stops. And never forget, as a leader... Some people think, well, there's my best performer. You know, we just cited Katie. Right. Katie's doing great. I don't have to spend the time with Katie. No, wrong. Maybe Katie wants to be the next you. Mm-hmm. Maybe Katie, ha- you know, you got to figure out what motivates them. Sure. And many times I've run across the fact that leaders do not spend enough time with their top performers. Right. They're always spending time with the stragglers and the rest. Don't shortchange your top performers. Mm-hmm. Spend time with them. Find out what motivates them. Reward them. And then, here's a novel approach. You've got 10 folks out there. You've got a couple of stragglers. Take that top performer. Yeah. Have them spend some time. Absolutely. Teach them to teach. That's right. Teach them to help the other folks oh, along. 100%. And give them that added responsibility because that's the motivator. Yep. One of the motivators may be in saying, hey, Jim, you're the top performer in this group. You're the next me. I don't plan on being here forever. I really see you as being the one that can take this. Can you help me out with some of the coaching and the, and the, and the training of these individuals? Sure, yeah. can well, do. No, that's great. So, so Jim, define coaching, though. What does that mean? Because you know, there are managers out there right now okay, right. that have not received any sort of training or went to a you know a two day HR seminar on what not to say in an interview, yeah. right? Or you know you understand what I'm saying? What so what is coaching? What are the top principles of coaching for those that are listening? Okay, performance coaching is giving your people the tools. Okay, mm-hmm. 
the correct tools, the correct training, and the correct opportunities that they need to succeed. Okay. So tools, training, and then... And opportunities. And opportunities. Okay. What are the things that you can give them to create success? Okay. And sometimes it's just sitting down with them, spending that... And, and, and you, know, it's, you know, it's funny. I find that um, salespeople recognize this often more than, than other leaders because other leaders believe that their job is all process. You know, how many times did you ride with your, your DMs a month, mm-hmm. your district managers? How many times you as a, as a sales VP would get out and ride with that um, you know, the district individual manager or the individual rep. Oh, I would be uh, really, I spent most of my time with reps. <clears throat> managers, I get with managers if we're at, you know, a critical dinner or something right, like that. Right. But constantly in the field. Right. You right. constantly feel. And so I find that salespeople have the knack for that. And then they will, they will look and they will see and they'll observe how the rep interacts. How did, how did they handle that sales call? And then in the car, whatever, it's immediate positive feedback. You have you guys have the ultimate opportunity for immediate feedback and immediate immediate coaching. Right. On any given situation. You know, Jim, I really like the way you handled that situation. You saw the opening. The doctor was asking this question. You were right there. You listened thoroughly. You were able to answer it and then you followed up with a close. Right. Outstanding job. Or conversely, you know, Jim, what do you think you did well with that call? Mm-hmm. You know, and get their feedback and get them involved. There are different ways to coach people sure. through these things. But it is so critical to never stop coaching mm-hmm. and giving your people clear, concise, and accurate feedback. You know, you have a sales call. You have a, one of those moments. And they, they really want to know, hey, um, hey Jim, how... Uh, how did I do? Oh, you did great. Right. Is that... Yeah, it's what? not feedback. It's yeah. garbage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you did great. Right. No, 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 no. Tell me what I did well. Tell me where I can prove. Sure. Okay? What about what about giving that critical feedback? So, you know, we've, we've talked about this in the past. You, you and I have. Is that, hey, you did great on this, this, and this. What you don't want to do is, but... Right? Because everything after but... Everything right. before but is right. forgotten, right. right? Exactly. Right. So, so that's a that's a skill set. Yes. So, how do you do that? Well, I mean, very much like you said. Here's here's a um, uh, we have a coaching form that we use in the in the course, and basically what we do is we say we use this form, we fill it out together, and we say, look, here are. The skill here are here are the require, requirements necessary to do the job. Basically, right. the job description and mm-hmm. the critical thing in writing that job description is recognizing the high payoff activities. Sure. What are the what are the top five things that this job does to be successful? Okay. Instead of the whole litany of garbage sure, sure. that most job descriptions are. What are the things that you need to do to be successful? That's the requirement. Now, then you sit there and you say, here are your areas of strength. Never, never, never forget areas of strength. Pat them on the back. Improve those areas of strength. 
focus in on those areas of strength. Number one, you know, it's like I always say, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the 70s, if he had said, yeah, I, yeah, I just won Mr. Olympia. I'm going to not go to the gym for the year. Right, right. No, he would have never won the next year. Right. You focus in on helping to improve and sustain that strength. So you focus in on those things. And then you come to, hey, here's the areas that I think we really need improvement. Okay. And it's a joint session where you okay. develop those But see, what, what you said, though, and that's critical, you know, f- for all of us, you know, in the nation here to listen to is that you didn't go, these are all your strengths, but you're really bad at this. You said, no, no. What you said, these are great. These are your strengths. Keep working on it. Here's some areas in which we need to improve. It's an and. Yeah, it's Eric, an and, right? It's an and. It's a, and here are some areas that we need to improve. There is a philosophy, though, too. Well, but you said, though, they're key. Um, uh, what did you call them? Um, key, high, key. High payoff activities. High payoff activities. Sorry. So the high payoff activities, you want to focus on those. And if what I'm getting at is that there's a lot of talk about stop worrying about your weaknesses. Because you don't, you would rather spend more time on your strengths than trying to become a better speller, right? Right. right. Better, you know, financial analyst, right? So how do you balance that? Because I know a lot of reps who, and everyone, you know, they're going to get a lot of nods in the audience who hate the CRM system, can't stand reporting, are terrible at it. You were reading my mind, right? Yeah. And and so. I want the information. I truly do because a lot of times it's lost. They think it's micromanagement. We as salespeople think it's micromanagement. It's not. We're just trying to get information. But don't bang your best reps over the head because they're not authors, right? Right. right. They, they didn't get a degree in journalism, right? Right. And so, so there's a balance there, though. Don't you agree? I absolutely agree that there has to be a balance. And again, the reporting is a requirement, Right. It is a requirement. Right. Hey, I expect you to get in your expect. I expect you to get your reports in on time. Do everything you can to do that. Sure. However, there's the however. Don't sacrifice high pay right. high, your high payoff activities in order to get the report in. Right. We will find a balance. <laughs> We will find a balance. I would rather you, I would rather, instead of worrying about the report, I would rather you make that one last sales call or have that one last dinner with that doctor that's going to have a have the peer session that's going to drive your business forward and create hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of sales. Okay. No, that's good. Okay, Jim, we touched on it a little bit, but I want to go back to it. I'm a rep. Or I'm a district manager, and I've got a regional manager, or I'm a regional manager. I have my VP of sales. Right. Right? And I just don't think I'm getting good, any of this, right? I'm not getting good communication. I'm not being motivated. No one's asked me my intrinsic motivators. I'm, I'm not great at goal setting, or I'm not getting that interaction, or have an understanding of accountability. I'm not getting that coaching. Or I'm getting two of the three, or three of the five, yeah. or four of the five, but... So what does someone do in the field? Like you, you mentioned it a little bit in the past, in the, before with your CEO. What do you tell a rep? You know, how do they how do they approach that manager in a way in which they want them to know I'm not criticizing you, right? Right. I, I just I just need your help. 
How do you do that? And hey, Jim, then how do you, you hold them accountable? Jim, are you are you open to feedback? And that's it. Jim, are you yeah. you have to find very much like the leader is expected to understand the motivations and the communication style of um, the follower or sure. the team member. The team member has got to go ahead and understand the motivators and the communication style of the leader and approach that leader through the preferred method of communication. Right. So, and it's an, but it's that, an acquired but skill. It is an acquired skill. And that's you know why bringing up the question is that it's so easy to call your peers up and just bitch about your boss, right? Whoever that is, versus doing something about it, becoming right. a de facto leader, saying, you know, you know, you want me to hit these goals, I want to hit these goals, but I'm struggling with a couple things. For me to be a better team member to you, I would like your help on this. And these are the areas that I need your help right now. I can't fix right five things. I just need to fix one or two over the next 30 days. Let's work. We have to have the courage, right? Yes. We have to be courageously bold, tactfully bold with our bosses, with our managers, with our leaders to have this communication. Otherwise, we suffer. Absolutely. Silently too many, suffer. Too many suffer in silence instead of putting their hands up and saying, I need help. That's right. That's what the leader is there for. That's right. The leader is there to provide purpose, vision, direction, and motivation to each and every team member to drive mission accomplishment. Simple as that. You know, Jim, the, my next question, I had a question for you, but I think, you know, we've answered it through this conversation was, you know, how do you generate or regenerate your leadership status in your company, whether you're a district manager or a sales rep at this time? And it's really doing what we just said, what you just said, constantly engaging, constantly communicating, bringing your best every day. Right? right, doing your best, you know, going beyond your duties and communicating with those around you and your your superiors right. Right. in a way in which you garner respect because you want to get better. And, right? and the question that I have for all leaders out there who are listening, the salient question that you need to ask yourself every morning when you get up and are looking at yourself in the mirror, how do I get my people to give me their very best? That is the question that you've got to answer and you have got to implement a strategy to do it. Because unless they give you their best, right. you will not reach quota. You will not be successful. Right. Because leaders are successful through people. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And the minute you understand that that's it, you need to work with, you need to train, you need to communicate, and the better you make your people, the more you coach them up to their true potential. You've got to know their abilities. You've got to know their true potential. Some are going to have limitations. Mm -hmm recognize them, work with them, work through them, work with them and around those limitations. That's exactly right. To make things happen. Not everyone has the potential to be 
the next VP of sales, right. or the next president of the company, you have to understand the goals, motivation, and potential of your people in order to truly be successful as a leader. Okay, so I'm going to ask one more. I'm going to ask one more question, but before we get to that, I want to sum this up a little bit. And it's for the managers out there, the leaders. Okay, I want your leaders of people out there, but even for the sales reps that want to be leaders or you want to take a leadership. Um, position amongst your peers to be that de facto leader is that have a high level of clear communication, right? Right. Clarity. Second, motivation. So if you're a sales rep out there, find out, engage with your peers about what are their intrinsic motivators, okay? So find out what's going to get them to their goals and then help them. And as a leader, that's your job to know that about all your people, okay? And I would say if you're a district manager, Jim, you brought this up. If you're a district manager and there's seven district managers, you need to hold your other district managers accountable for the same leadership principles. Right on. Right? So so there you, you there as a district manager, how do you become that next leader in the organization? Take that role up. Okay? Teach goal setting. Clarity in the goal setting. How to break those goals down. How to accomplish them. The high um, payoff activities... What are those? The 80-20 rule, right? right? Accountability. Set expectations for your people. Set expectations for yourself. How can you hold somebody accountable if they don't know what's expected of them? That's the question I ask everybody. That's right. Unless you as a leader clearly communicate expectations. That's right. So then coaching is the last thing, right? Make sure they got the tools. They've got the training. They've got the opportunity to succeed. Bring that positive feedback, clear concise and accurate and focus once again on those areas of strength right. and then bring together a plan to help those areas that you need to get better at. But don't distract to, to areas that are not um, high, um, uh, payoff, high activities. payoff activities. And, and one of the things I want to get back to is feedback for a second. Feedback is feedback is feedback. Right. There's not positive feedback. There's not negative feedback. It's feedback. It's observation of the mm, rest. Good. And so what happens is the minute you get away from finger pointing, the minute you get away from criticizing, the minute you all your uh, communication is based in the concept of feedback is feedback, the finger pointing stops. The blame game stops and the the accountability culture starts to blossom. That's right. That's right. And focus on those high payoff activities. Activities. That's it right there. Stay right there. Okay. So, Jim, let's do this. Um, End the podcast with provide the team, you know, the blueprint for success. What is that leadership philosophy? Number one. Every leader has got to engage the team and the team members as individuals. Okay. And the leader has got to go ahead and clearly articulate how and why they want their team to operate. That is the difference in mediocre teams and great teams. In the early 1980s, the military did a study of what made great units different, and it was how and why. It's interesting. It was how the, how the leader communicated their expectations. And so, again, this is who I am. It's important for a leader to do these things. Let their team know 
This is who I am. This is what I believe leadership is. These are my operating principles. This is exactly how I want my team to function. Here is what I expect of you. This is what you can expect from me. Here are my non-negotiables. Everybody's going to have their pet peeves. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to step on the landmine with the boss. Right, right. And they do. Everybody's got their little hot sure. buttons. And here is my commitment to continuous, clear, and concise feedback. And here is where I believe we can go. That's the vision. Purpose, vision, direction, and motivation. That's great, Jim. <clears throat> I wanna I wanna thank you, you know, for taking the time out of your, your Great, busy really day. appreciate it. You I know you travel a lot and you're you're all over the country and, and providing that great leadership. All over the world. All I was in Africa. World. Oh that's right. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. I don't wanna take away. Right? No, no, no. No, I wanna give you know, I wanna give respect. <laughs> Worldwide. Right? Worldwide. And you know, for coming to the Medical Sales Nation and uh, sharing your your thoughts, your experiences on, on how we can impact, you know, our our, our audience and because we're one nation, we're one community. I'm just trying to get better every day. And um, what I'd like to do, though, Jim, is if, if you could tell people how they can get in touch with you, how you know they can reach out, how can they learn a little bit more. Right. Because um, you know, I'm excited again once talking to you. Yep. Bring back brings back a lot of things that I forgot, you know, right. to, and I need to start doing. Right. So I know there's people listening to this that would love to reach out. Sure. Well, you can really reach out to me directly. And uh, that would be at jim at jimnalepa.com. And you spell Nalepa. N is in November, A is in Apple, L is in Lima, E is in Echo, P is in Papa, A is in Apple. Jim at jimnalepa.com. Or you can go to the company website, which is www.academyleadership.com. Again, academyleadership.com. You can learn about our programs, our offerings, you know, our basic blocking and tackling of leadership program, our advanced leadership program, and all the things that we offer. I think we are probably one of the most dynamic and diverse uh, organizations, leadership organizations. And the key to our success has been that we are all former leaders. We are all, every instructor, is a, it was a service academy graduate, a military officer, and also had a very successful civilian career as well. So we got to speak the language. It's just not Joe the retired colonel right. trying to communicate with somebody running a sales force. And so that gives us the edge of having been there, having been leaders, knowing how to speak the language of business, and um, really being able to help you drive results for your organization. Okay, thanks, Jim. And Jim and I, you know, work together. I actually, you know, hired Jim at my last company to come on in and do that leadership management coaching development course. It was unbelievable. So, you reps, if you're out there, ask how you can get involved. Managers, I don't care, district, regional, VP of sales, reach out to Jim. His program is is truly unbelievable. And will have an impact. And if you find yourself in an organization and there is a lack of leadership, there's something missing, go to your go to your boss, go to your HR department and, and reach out because it's 
it is the best three days you'll ever spend in a leadership development course. So with that, guys, good luck selling. Have a great week. Until next time, keep listening to the Medical Sales Nation and have a great week. Oh, my God.